First Thessalonians chapter number 1, verse number 10. Had a great time yesterday. Some couldn't make it, I understand, but we have a new uh, champion for the ladies and a new champion for the men. So we'll have to do with them next year. First Thessalonians, both of them are going to Israel. So hopefully nothing happens, you know, praying that they will have a safe trip. First Thessalonians chapter number 1. Keep your fingers there. I'm going to finish our points here that we've had. We're talking about a real church. The whole lesson I've been teaching is a real church, and lesson four is a real witness. And we talked about the Thessalonians, how Paul made a recollection and remembrance of how special this church was. And there's three things he brought to us in First Thessalonians. And one of them is the work of their faith, a work of faith under letter A. And then letter B is the labor of love. Labor of love. We kind of ended there. Uh, true love always labors. True love always labors. It is an oxymoron to claim to love Christ while neglecting to serve him. True love always produces action. And a lot of times that action is geared and centered and, uh, towards another person. In that case, the Lord first. And then, uh, as we know, God loves the world. So naturally, if you serve him, not only will you serve God and love him, you will end up loving others and serving others as well. And then let us see. Uh, we didn't start here, but I'm going to go quickly with this one before we go to point two. Is they also had known known to be have patience of hope. They had hope. All right. They steadily worked forward to the Lord because they had their focus on Jesus' return. So one of the things that kept them going and having patience in this world as they served because they didn't have it always easy. They had trials. And at the time, these early churches had persecution that I don't think as Americans we have seen. And some of you have grown up in the Christian home, and you're now in your later, latter years of your life. You have not seen persecution. There might be several generations here that would go through and I even see persecution. I have no guarantee in my life if I will see persecution in our country. And for sure, I don't have any guarantee on my children's life if they follow the Lord in our faith and get saved like they have professed. And they continue serving the Lord. I'm not sure if they're going to face it in their life. I'm not sure. I'm not sure any of those things. I hope not. I've been enjoying being saved. I've been places where it's welcome. And uh, in the sense of that, they don't bother us. You know, they leave us alone. Now, they challenge some of our truths we preach. And a lot of times there's a spirit of antichrist against what we, we teach. But they don't go to our houses. And I don't feel uh, scared sleeping at night. I don't, I'm not in hiding. All right? And so uh, they had patience of hope. They, they, were, they were waiting for Jesus to come. Now, patience can be very difficult to learn, okay, because it takes time to learn it, all right? The idea of patience is waiting, waiting for God to give the promise that you have hoped for and trusted, or it's also uh, waiting on God to fix problems in your life. It's also waiting on God to... Uh, change uh, people in your life that you love and you care for them, but you know there's no way you can change their decision. You, you have no power to, to make them do the right things, and you're hoping to God that God would work in their lives. 
Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. If you're there, verse number 10, it says, And to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. And that focus on Christ's return, I believe, helped Thessalonians to do the things that they did. That's why they had the work of faith. They had the labor of love. And they had uh, patience of hope. Now we go to the next point, uh, Roman numeral number two here. And it goes on to the idea of the relationships that they had with each other. So the relationships of the people, P-E-O-P-L-E, the relationships with the people. Our service for him is not in vain, and this is talking about hoping again. Our, our service for him is not in vain. It is eternal. It has eternal significance. One day, we will see him face to face, and we will be thankful that we labored with patient hope. Hope in God and be patient. Learn the race with patience. Let's go ahead and pray before we go on to the second point. Lord, we come to you this morning asking uh, that you would guide us. Thank you for those that are here this morning. Some might not be here due to uh, sickness. Lord, for the sickness, Lord, that's going around, I pray that you'd help us get over them, uh, get over it really fast. Lord, uh, give healing to those that need it. Lord, I pray for those that are not able to come and are viewing us through the online live stream. I pray that you help those that are operating that even now. Pray that you'd give us a great day today, a great day with you. Lord, I pray as we center around uh, our day, as we honor you with our day, as we come, we want to learn. We want to get something, Lord, that is needed in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would either challenge us, you would encourage us, you would uplift us up, you would give us uh, uh, the, the things that we need today. And each one you know is specifically what we need. And you can uh, work through me as a mere speaker. Holy Ghost, I pray that you would do the job I cannot do. Lord, and uh, do the job that none of us can really do. Lord, minister to each and every heart. We pray that you'd bless, help our pastor again as we think of him uh, celebrating his birthday here next week. I pray that that would be uh, a way that, to show him that we love him and to show him that we're blessed by his life. And Lord, I pray that we would use that to honor him. Lord, pray that you'd bless again, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. The, re- the relationship of the people. Wherever you find a church with a real witness that is producing fruit, you will find a church where the relationships are Christ-honoring and spiritually strong. When a church family has right relationships with their spiritual leaders and with one another, they have the freedom to focus outwardly on those who need the gospel. When it's good in here, it's going to be good out there. But when a church family has division, discontent, and disunity, they are so focused inwardly that they don't even notice the needs around them much less have the Holy Spirit's power as they attempt to share Christ. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 and verse 6. You're already there. We read verse 10. Let's read, read verse number 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. In this verse, we catch a glimpse of healthy relationship in this early church. You notice that 
uh, the leaders were leading and the followers were following. And if that is working in the church, you're going to have unity and cooperation. And when you have cooperation, things are done decently in order, and then that produces peace and harmony. Things are properly functioning. There is no schism. There is no fighting. There is no strife amongst the family. And that family then will work better, will have better days, and can impact others around them. It's hard to help somebody when you need help yourself. It's hard to save somebody drowning when you're drowning yourself. It's hard to save somebody else that is in dire need of help when you need help yourself. And so do some self-examination individually, and then let us do some self-examination, evaluation as a church here in Eden to see how we can help others. You know, our relationship here affects also all the churches that are affected by us directly in that we started some churches. So our fellowship and our love for one another and our relationship also affects uh, Countryside Baptist Church. And our relationship and our working together and our cooperation also helps Brightway Baptist Church. And so if we have this unity, then that would also affect those places. I know in my relationship with my wife, it affects our children when there is discord with us. Our children notice when mom and dad are not in the right place with each other. It affects the children. And so let us be very, 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 very guarded and careful that we would love one another truly. And uh, just because we want to really love somebody, it doesn't take away all the negativity that they have. It still be there. Somebody wisely said to me, are you willing to love this person for all the best qualities they have? And that is obviously a given. And part of us loving somebody is because of that best quality. And they may, in a side note here, show forth your best quality. Show forth your best quality. All right? That's not wrong. But as you get deeper, as you get to know each other, some of those first impressions will go away because they'll get to know who you really are. And there's going to be some that are going to have qualities that are deep-rooted in their life. They have those, and God has helped them develop those. Some people are very encouraging. They just have a smile about them. Or when you talk to them, they always bring something up, and they have some genuine uh, um, compliments. I've been been around people in our church, and I don't want to say anything, because I don't want to make it weird. But they have really complimented me lately. Very good compliments. I mean, really sincere compliments. And uh, that just is a blessing. Some of us are good to give constructive criticism. We know how to do it. We don't come across arrogant. We don't come across better than others. And there's some people in here has given me some very good constructive criticism. And that's really good. That's good in a relationship. All right? And so I- I'm so glad that we have people around us. And, and look at this uh, biblical approach, letter A here, under uh, the relationships of the people. Letter A, we find they followed human examples. And we just read it. In verse number six, you became followers of us. And so uh, 
in the church, there's going to be a time as you come to this church, you're going to gravitate to certain people. And may I suggest that you gravitate to the right kind of people. And uh, that would help you be better. All right? Uh, So you will follow people. And sometimes uh, you will follow the man of God in that church, the leader of the, of the, of the church, and or some other people that seems to have uh, a walk with God, and you, you follow them, all right? And so that would help you in your Christian life. So as a Christian, our testimonies is very important. What we do in our everyday living can help us gain entrance into the hearts of people who need to hear the message that we are commissioned to tell. I don't pro- pro- promote lifestyle evangelism because that has a connotation in our day. Lifestyle evangelism is taught that you don't have to say anything. Just living a righteous life will then help somebody get saved. All right? The scripture is very clear that we need to open our mouths. We need to go and tell. We need to be witnesses. The Bible speaks of preaching. Preaching is foretelling. You have to use your mouth, and you have to express what is in your heart through your mouth, and you say what you believe from the Word of God. Now, I said this last week, but the power of your witness with your mouth is the life that matches that talk. The walk matches the talk. Your action and the way you live matches what you're saying in your mouth, and it's so important because a lot of times, people are not interested at first at what you know until they learn that you care for them. And when you start showing that you care for people, that's when some of the barriers break down. Some of that boundaries we put up as individuals. We put it up because we have to learn to trust these people, you know, and we have to uh, let them earn Uh, our respect to them before we would even bring anything up to them, all right? It's just our nature as men, and God knows that, and the Bible talks about that. And so before we follow any man, that man or that woman would first then make an approach in the past to us and say, how can I help you? And they will start that way. And so as a Christian, I feel we should be engaged in that in our community. We should be engaged in that in our community. We should be so careful that what we're saying and our attitude and our reaction and our action is so careful so that we can impact somebody, so that they can see the difference that we're not living just a human life per se, but there's something supernatural about our life. Something something is helping us to resist some of the natural tendency of reacting as a human being. And uh, I noticed that when I worked at Walmart long ago. I was pushing carts, and I would go to the break room. At the time, I was going to Old Time Baptist Academy, and so I would have homework. I would have to get to school, get up at 6 in the morning, go to school. After school, I would I'd get picked up, and then i get dropped off at work at 3. Sometimes I don't get done until 9, or a lot, a lot of times at 11 o'clock. So I have to do some schoolwork that I didn't finish at school. I had to do it at work. And, you know, great New York State, we have 15 minutes, two of them. And you get an hour. If you work eight hours in a day, you have mandatory to clock out and have an hour lunch. So I don't know what it is now. 
I was making six bucks an hour then. And so I would, uh, I, would, uh, I would sit down, and naturally, I would have to get my paces. ACE is wonderful. And so I have to open it up, and I have to bring a Bible. And, man, it was kind of awkward because everybody's sitting there looking at me, what is this guy doing? And I wasn't, I wasn't bubbly as I was friendly here. I wasn't necessarily friendly out there. And so I would just sit and mind my own business, and, and people would notice, oh, you have a Bible. I'm like, oh, no. What are we going to do? So, but that impacted and that older people would come to me and said, hey, I know you go to church. I have a niece that I need you to pray for. And I don't know if that did anything. I said, well, I will. I will pray for them. And so your life is important. And a lot of times people need to be touched by you before you can impact them. And so let us be very sensitive to that. Let us be very sensitive to that. Let us show them that we love them. Uh, We talk about mentoring. We talk about accountability. We talk about being authentic, being real. We talk about transparent relationship. And it's the hardest thing to have people around your life because they're eventually going to see you ain't all that. The impression uh, or trying to impress somebody will quickly go away. There was a short time in my life with me and my wife as I was courting her, and uh, she probably thought I was the best thing in planet Earth. She doesn't have that viewpoint as much anymore. She still thinks I'm all that by the grace of God, but now she realizes, well, he's got problems, and I can't let it go anymore. I have to tell him now. And so I've learned a year. She had so much patience. For a year, I thought I hanged the moon. Man, I thought, man, I was, I was it. I didn't get no complaint from her. And then one day, she said, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, I never had that tone before. Okay, what is this about? And uh, I don't even remember what it was, but she said, well, I don't like when you do this. I'm like, what? For a whole year we've been together and you didn't say anything? And I realized it was gone. Now I have to be real. She knows how I fold my dirty laundry now. She knows how I organize everything. And she says, leave my drawers alone. Do not touch my drawers. And so it goes. But at, at, at points, that's hard to get your life involved with other people's life. Because I'm finding out in America, which is I love this about us. We're very, very clear about what we like. And a lot of times, we're borderline mean, I think. But we're New Yorkers, so everybody does it. But we are free to express what we think. And we say it very, very quickly. Like, I don't like this about that. I don't like this about that. Well, what are you doing that? And I have to learn because I come from a country where they don't do that. And I've been pastoring people that don't do that, and I have to do investigative work. Well, they don't like me because they're not. They're showing the signs something I did was wrong. And I find out five years later what I did. And I could fix it. But all of the time, you know, they're cordial with you and happy. But, but here, we, we tell, which is a good thing. We should let people know how we feel. But I think we should be careful how we express it. All right? We should be uh, mindful of how we do that. But as we work with people, I think Justin mentioned it, there's the word vulnerable. 
And a lot of us don't like to be there. Because that is the pure admittance of you have a problem. And somebody's looking at you now and saying, hey, you're telling me all this, but I've been with you now and you do this. You talk too much. I'm like, what? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but they start bringing out some things they don't like about you. And we act very negative about that. And, and I, have to be, I have to be careful when you're mentoring people, just, just kind of take it. Take it. Take what people say sometimes. And don't, don't beat yourself up about it. They don't know entirely what's going on. I'm glad that you don't know me that well. Only God does. But it's not going to be very long. You're going to find he rambles or he does this or he does that. And that's okay. That's okay. In any relationship, you're going to see that. And you have to learn to work with each other. You have to learn how to react to that. How are you going to react to that? Because if you want to impact those people, you are going to get hurt a little bit. You have to take a little bit of a risk to reach your arm out and help them. Now, you, I'm not telling you to do that. You have to let God help you deal with that, all right? You have to let God do it. I can't tell you what to do on that. You have to let God lead you. There's no way, as a human being, I can tell you what to do on that. You have to let God do it. But that is how Thessalonica, and we find here, they follow these men. These leaders have impacted them somehow that they followed them. So that has to happen because of that reason. Now, mentoring and accountability and biblical discipling are all biblical. All right, All throughout the New Testament epistles, we see spiritual leaders investing in the lives of Christians. All right, they did. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, the next verse, the next chapter, I should say. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verses 7 to 12. But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherished her children. You see some of this relationship talk. So being affectionately desirous of you, this is very, very relationship-based. This is not a... This is not, uh, I'm going to church, I'm going to sit where I need to sit, I'll say hi, hello. This is not, this is not that. This is, this is, these people know each other, okay? They got to know each other somehow. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, not the gospel of God only. What does he mean by that? Not the gospel of God only. He's going to tell us what he means by that. But also our own soul. You cannot be an impactful, effectual influence to somebody else if you didn't do what Jesus did. Jesus had to leave his glory throne where he did not do any wrong, where he was worshipped day in and day out, where he had those angels saying to him, Holy, holy, God Almighty, which was, which is, and which is to come. He had to let go of the comfort of that and that reputation that he has in heaven and came to the earth in Philippians 2 and made himself of no reputation and he was born in a manger. He lived in a family. Carpenter, Joseph, was not very wealthy. And he then got ridiculed. He suffered ridicule. He was a man acquainted with sorrows. He had a hard life. 
He came to his own, the ones that he loved, and they did not recognize him. And they expected more of him. You should have been got rid of all the Romans. Why are you here? If you're, if you're not the Messiah, if you can't get rid of the Romans. And their expectation on him was not what it was. And yet, he bared through all of it. He loved them to the end. He found some men that he started with, and he just turned the world upside down because he was vulnerable. He was willing to be vulnerable. You know how much vulnerability he had? He was crucified on the cross. That's how much vulnerability he had. And for him to do that now, he's saying to us as Christians, as I love the world, that's a powerful verse. As I have loved the world, I want you to love them the same way. And so if we're going to impact a wicked world, Christian, we have to get out where it's comfortable. We have to get out where we are the Bida. In the Philippines, it means hero. You're the hero. You have to get out of that and be the unknown. And you have to do things that you're not comfortable with so that you can help somebody else. It's not easy. I've been in places where it's uncomfortable. And it's not easy. But we have to do that if we want an impactful, effective life. So being affectionate desirous of you, we were willing to impart unto you, not the gospel only, but our own souls, because you were dear unto us. Verse number 9. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preach unto you the gospel of God. We didn't want to owe you a thing. And so our behavior to you was such in a way you could not tell us that we cause anything because of our walk with you. That's how his, his motive of work and his love for these people, he said, I don't want to be chargeable. I don't want you to feel like I owed you. I want to leave this place where I'm going to leave you feeling like you owed me. And so I'm going to work to serve you and love you because you're dear to me. Ye are witnesses, verse 10, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameable we behave ourselves among you that believe. This is the saved now. And ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. We see another sign of relationship. That ye would walk worthy of God who had called you unto his kingdom and his glory. Guys, if we're going to get anyone closer to Christ, we have to be vulnerable. We have to serve them. We have to be ready to be mocked. We have to take the risk that we're going to be misunderstood. And we're going to be okay with it. Because as Jesus had no reputation, he was not worried about what people thought of him because he had a goal. His goal was, I want to save these people because I love them. Even if they don't know what they're doing, I'll forgive them. And that's what God called us as Christians. And it's a hard thing. It's a very hard thing. Just do that to each other as husband and wife is a hard thing. 
Now, if you have children, God blesses you, and some of you are praying, and I'm praying with you. God gives you children. You'll learn this even more, that you're going to have to love sometimes when they're not easy to love. But that's the way you get it. That's the way you get to their heart. That's the way you get it in there. It's not, as a father, I think, well, I'm the authority, then you have to do my bidding. Yes, they will. They will conform to you. But it doesn't mean that they have my heart or they have my heart. My kids will just do what I say. Yes, sir. But I have a problem if they're going behind me and saying, man, dad, that is, why did he do that? And I have to be a good father to know when I mess up. And I have to gain their respect. I have to earn their trust too. Because I want to impact them. If I have any hope of having my children love the God that I say I love, then I have to get vulnerable. I have to get down where they see God, where they see me as a human being and I fail. And I learn to say I'm sorry. Guys, I have to stop. I failed. I said something to your mom that I should not have said. I'm so sorry. I need help. And if you cannot be vulnerable, it's going to be hard to impact somebody else. You know this when you get to know somebody. The more you get to know them, the more they get to know you. It seems like it's good. And then you see changes in their life. And you see them do things apparently you do because of that closeness. So think about that. These people had that amongst them in the church. Okay? Well, some Christians take the attitude of, I don't follow anyone but the Lord. Following spiritual leader is not only helpful, it is biblical. Paul commended the church at Thessalonica for following him. And he instructed the church of Corinth to follow him as well. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I am also of Christ. Let her be here. They followed the Lord. They followed the Lord. Spiritual leadership always directs attention to the Lord. By the way, don't get hooked up if there is a true spiritual leader, meaning he's under God, he will only point you to God. Don't get confused. As, a, as Sometimes uh, some leaders have abused their leadership, and uh, the end of their ambition is themselves. You need to be like me. The way I wear my suits, you need to wear that way too. The way I get my haircut, you get that haircut too. The way I got my house, you need to get my investments. Let me talk to you about my investments. You should invest in there too. And it's self-centered. But if you have a spiritual leader, he's not concerned about himself because he knows he's not the end goal. It's Christ. We need to come to be conformed to his image. And so what he will do is he, he will be in his Bible and he'll be reading his Bible and he'll say, hey, hey guys, wait a second. Man, this is so good. Come. Let me show you what God says. Come, come here, brother. Look at what I saw. That's what he's going to do. That's what he's going to do. A spiritual leader would point you to Jesus Christ. He won't point you to himself. He'll deflect all of that because he knows he is not the end goal. All right? So if you have a spiritual leader, that's his aim. He'll point you to Christ. Okay? Uh, Quickly here, Jonathan... Uh, it was not Jonathan. I believe it was uh, uh, Charles Spurgeon here. Or somebody said, no, it's not Charles Spurgeon. Uh, Jesus wants followers, not merely admirers. Okay? 
God wants us to follow him fully. And so not the, the, as a leader, we, we lead them to the Lord, and then eventually then they'll follow the Lord. Christ wants us to follow him completely and wholeheartedly. Only then will our witness for him be substantial and effective. Because you get so close to the Lord, you'll, you'll get to be in the presence of his, his, his grace and mercy, and you can't help yourself and say, man, if he's so good to me, I need to tell somebody about it because they can be helped. Let me tell you how good God has been to my family. Let me tell you. Let me lead you to him, and it would help. Number three, quickly, the reputation of the church. The reputation of the church. Uh, every church has a reputation. When the name of the church is, when the name of your church is mentioned in the community, people have a perception of what the church is like. And sad to say, perception is reality for people. It might not be true, but the way they perceive you, that's true to them. Until we impact and affect them, okay, we get close to them. People have a perception of what the church is like. Perhaps they think of it as a loving. Or it could be they think of it as a harsh place. They can might look at it as sloppy in there. Or uh, they can view us persistent. They can view us as caring. We are motivated. Or they can view us as obnoxious. Or they can view us as helpful. I believe in the community we, we have a good, decent reputation here. What do they think of you and I? Because that also impacts what they think of the place you worship in this church. Because we know we are the church. Okay? So you have a powerful, powerful influence out there. If you live your life a certain way, they will view the church you go to that way. Well, if he goes to that church and he does this, they must do it there. Okay? So be very careful with that. Quickly, A. It has to have a powerful reception. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as ye know, what matter of men we were among you for your sake. It has to have a power reception. God's word holds the power that is beyond human ability to manufacture. So to get to know the Bible, I think that's why Pastor is trying to get us to memorize it. Because if it's in your heart, it'll come out of your mouth. Okay? Hebrews 4.12, we already know the verse. The word of God is quick. It's alive. It's powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. It will convict them without offending them by you. The word of God will do it. Okay? Uh, too often we are content to witness without the Holy Spirit's power. It's another tool that God has given us, his, his self, in the form of the Holy Ghost. Uh, yet Christ told his disciples that this power was essential for witnessing. Okay? Acts 1, verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. So when we go out there, we're interested in being impactful. We're interested in being influential. We're interested in seeing God do the work. So let us, by doing practical things... Memorizing verses, taking a gospel track, bringing a Bible that is very uh, easily used, maybe an app on your phone. Use your mind, your heart, memorize the scripture, bring the Bible to the lost, give them the word of God, and then be prayed up and be filled up by the Holy Ghost. Take away some of the things that distract from that. Letter B, an influential propagation, P-R-O-P-A-G-A-T-I-O-N, propagation, all right? We want our proclamation and our spread of the gospel to be influential. First Thessalonians 1, 7 to 8. 
so that you were examples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God word is spread abroad, so that we need not to speak anything. Imagine that, Paul and, and, uh, and his, his followers, and, I mean his uh, co-laborers, will, will be visiting and talking to people, and when they, when they get to the people, they say, yeah, I already heard about that from the church there in Thessalonica. They talk to me about Jesus. So that they don't even have to witness anymore, because those people got witness. That's what he's saying here. And the people in Achaia... Or in Macedonia are the church that we call Philippians. That's one of the, the churches in Philippi. And then the great church, the Berean church, all right? That, they were in Macedonia. So Thessalonica had an influence on those people by the spread of the gospel. Achaia includes Corinth in Athens. So the Corinthians was affected by the Thessalonians. So it's amazing, right? They did not keep their faith secret. They were bold witnesses for Christ. These Christians were earnest about sharing the gospel, and they purposely gave it to those who did not know the Lord. All right? Uh, When you consider to spread the gospel, at this time, they had no internet, they had no social media, and they had no telephones at the time, no radio. It was simply done by real Christians who really believed their message, who had a real witness. This is Jim Elliott, and we'll be done today. We're going to close it up. Jim Elliott, one of those uh, missionaries that passed away uh, when he went with five of the men there to reach this uh, particular Indian tribe in the Ecuador area. He said this on his journal. He wrote, Father, make me a crisis man. Bring those I contact to decision. Let me not be a mile post on a single road. Make me a fork that mean." That man must turn one way or another on facing Christ in me. You know, if you go down 90, there's a mile marker every mile. There's a mile post telling you which miles. It helps when you get into trouble. You can tell whatever is going to help you. I'm at this mile marker. So there's some help to that. But as you keep going, you don't have to make a decision as you're passing these things. But when it comes down to the end of the road and there's a T, then you have to take a right or a left. And what Jalen Elliott was saying is, Make me a man that when they see me and the message that I proclaim by my life and by the witness of my word through the word of God, may it make them make a decision. How about you, Christian? Is your life challenging anybody to make the decision? I hope it is. And it's a decision for Christ rather than for the world. Lord, bless us. Thank you again for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.